Hello, and welcome to Shockwave Solutions, where we bring to life real-world actionable insights for direct response marketers. So today, we've got Justin Goff with us, uh, who is probably best known for uh, helping marketers and businesses convert on cold traffic. I think that's probably your, your tagline and your trademark. Um, and then did that pretty much after growing and scaling your own supplement company to, I think, something like $23 million in sales, uh, and then sold that. And uh, now, I think, a lot of what you're spending your time doing is you're, you're mentoring a lot of people is kind of what I've been seeing both through different programs like a copy accelerator, your own email marketing list and some of the other things that you have out there. Um, and so we really just appreciate you joining us today and, and thank you for being with us. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, I've heard you talk a little bit before about kind of how you got started in internet marketing in general, um, kind of from college. Right. And um and I, and I always love people's origin story, especially in direct response marketing, because nobody comes into direct response and like finish college and, you know, I'm going to jump into internet marketing, you know, maybe now they do a little bit more, but definitely not when, when you got yeah. started, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, no, nobody grows up saying I want to be, I want to have a direct response business. That's not, yeah. not what do you think about when you're 10 years old? <laughs> I'm trying to encourage my girls to, to have a desire for copywriting, not successful so far. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where it turns out. I mean, that's every entrepreneurial business mindset. There's a need that drives you into action. Um, and, you know, do you want to touch on that just a little bit about kind of as you, you know, what that looked like from your perspective and jumping in? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've always been entrepreneurial, although when I was younger, I never like thought of it in those terms. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that nowadays, if you're kind of growing up, you might think about it a little more because it's just so much more prevalent. You'd be following Grant Cardone and Russell Brunson and people like that on social media when you're 10 years old nowadays, whereas right. we didn't really have that back then. Um, but I was like the kid at my parents' garage sales selling baseball cards. I was setting up a lemonade stand like <laughs> on three different blocks in our neighborhood trying to make money. Um, I was buying WWF figures off of eBay and trying to resell them and stuff like any, anything to make a buck. Um, I even got into affiliate marketing in high school, which I just remembered this probably two months ago and I wrote an email about it. Uh, there was this program called All Advantage where they paid you to surf the web. And some kid at my school found out about it and he was telling me about it. And he told me he was like making money. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And so I started doing it. And this is back in the day of like landlines where your landline clogged up the phone and nobody could call your house and nobody had cell phones. So my parents hated it. Yeah. Um, but I'd be on like AOL for eight hours a day as soon as I got out of school, surfing the web because I was getting, uh, supposedly getting paid for it. Uh, and I remember I got like the first check. And, uh, it was probably less than 10 bucks, but I remember just being shocked. I was like, oh my God, this is actually like real. Uh, and then quickly, me and my buddy hatched up this scheme to find like a bot that would like surf the web for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have to do it. <laughs> um, I think all in all, I made like 70 bucks from it. And then like the program got shut down. And what's funny to me now thinking back is I never, I wasn't smart enough to be like, oh, you can make money online doing this. Like maybe there's some other way to do it. Like I, I just thought it was some like loophole and I made this money and like there's nothing else ever like it. And I just went back to being a high school kid and never thought about it again until kind of later in college, I got into, um, making websites based on the fact that I was really big into gambling in college. Right. Uh, so I used to bet on sports games all the time and I was actually really good at it. And then I got super freaking cocky and started betting way more money than I had. Uh, I went from, I'd basically make like, I don't know, four or five, six grand every like college football, basketball season, which in college is damn good money. Some money. Yeah. Normal job, like all my buddies. So um, I basically, the one year though, I went from like being up like, four or $5,000 to like one weekend, I lost every single bet I made and I uh, way more than I normally did. And I went from being up like four grand to down like $1,200. Uh, and I owed this big bookie named Gabe who was like six foot eight, 280 pounds, this, this money. And I did not have it. Um, I had this bright idea that I could get online and sell my picks. Cause there was all these websites I saw where guys sold their, their, their picks and I was like, Oh, I could do that. Knew absolutely nothing. I built this like ugly website. And this is before WordPress, before ClickFunnels, before all that. Uh, it was the ugliest thing ever. And I literally just like spammed forums for probably six straight months thinking like people would buy this. I, like I said, I had no idea how to advertise or get anything, anybody to my website. 
And uh, basically after like six months, nothing was happening. And then I remember it was sometime around Christmas time because I was still in college. I was back at my parents' house and I got a notification in my email for that I had a PayPal uh, thing. And I like opened it up. It was like $149. Somebody bought your college basketball pick package. And I remember just jumping up and down and screaming, going crazy. It was like, oh my God. I remember that more than like, I've probably had days where I've made two, $300,000 since then. But I remember that day way more than those days. Your first buck, uh, man. It's like, this is real. Yeah, right? it is. It, it, makes it, it makes it real. It's the first time after six months of trying, trying, trying. And it's kind of a pipe dream. And you're like, holy shit, this is actually real. Um, so that kind of got me into it. That business never really went anywhere. I, and, but I kind of learned along the way. I saw these other people uh, promoting gambling sites. So like the sports books where you'd actually bet on yeah. and then the poker sites, which were huge at the time with the poker boom, like poker stars, party poker, all that. I saw them having all these banners for those on their website. And I was like, what? Uh, I didn't really understand it. Later, I figured out, I was like, oh, they're doing affiliate marketing. Um, and I signed up for all these sites and I started making some money as an affiliate. Uh, basically, that, that was, that was kind of what I did in, up until the end of college. Uh, where I, I would make, I don't know, 500,000 bucks a month doing that. And, but I wasn't really going after it. And kind of when I went to graduate college, I, I had a job lined up and, um, I was like, I really think if I put some real time into this, I could actually make three grand a month and I could live on three grand a month uh, doing this affiliate thing. And I remember everybody around me thinking I was freaking nuts. My friends thought I was an idiot. I mean, all my friends were taking like real jobs as accountants and doctors and stuff like that. And here I am like just sitting in my $250 apartment in this room that's basically a closet that was turned into a bedroom. Uh, my parents thought I was absolutely nuts. Um, but I, pretty quickly, I actually turned it around and I, I got to $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month. Uh, and I lit, like I said, I lived way below my means. And uh, the big thing was like, if this whole thing fails, like I'll go get a job in bartend. I'm like 23, like that'd be fun anyways. Um, so that's kind of how I got into the whole affiliate marketing game and, uh, eventually transitioned to health and fitness stuff after, the whole poker thing collapsed in like 2008. Um, <laughs> what's funny is when I got into the health and fitness stuff, I remember seeing everybody's sales pages and thinking who the hell would ever buy anything from these long ass, <laughs> ugly sales pages. This makes no sense at all. It looks like the biggest scam I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, me and my partner at the time tried to do completely different. We tried to do these like very clean pages that were like just features and benefits and, basically a year and a half of uh, pounding our head against the wall and not making any sales. It finally dawned on me. I'm like, there's probably a reason they're doing this. Um, and that's kind of when I got into the world of direct response. Uh, I started learning from like guys like Ryan Lee and Mike Geary and uh, a lot of the guys oh, yeah. in the fitness industry at the time. And that's, that's kind of how I got started. That's so funny. So 2008, so this is, this is when you jumped into the supplement space, right? Um, I wasn't doing supplements yet. I was just doing fitness. Just, okay. Products. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 2008 was, uh, was interesting. Cause I remember back then, I mean, that, that was right around the economic turmoil stuff, right? It was kind of just heading into that great time to, to graduate college. <laughs> What'd you study by the way out of college? I'm just curious. Believe it or not, this is a real degree at Ohio state. It's called sports and leisure studies. And, uh, basically all the athletes, it was me and all the football players. That's got it. what it was. But that's also probably a little bit of your foray into health and fitness as well, right? I, I mean, I've always been into health and sports and stuff like that. I actually wanted to be a sports agent, which was like kind of my idea in college. Um, but then the, the more I kind of got into stuff, I'd, I have always, like I said, I've always been kind of driven to do my own thing. I didn't know right. what, I, what the hell I actually wanted to do, but I was like, I want to be able to like make my own way. That was kind of what drove everything. Yeah. Yeah. So then you kind of jumped into health and fitness. And then when did you actually end up starting the supplement company that you sold? So that was around 2014. So before that I had had, um, I had one big hit on ClickBank that was called the 31 day fat loss cure that did pretty well. Uh, that was my first thing that took me up to kind of making like six figures on info products. Um, nice. and then we were, we were doing pretty well with info, or I was doing pretty well with info products. And, um, yeah, around 2014, I started promoting as an affiliate to a lot of these uh, conservative email lists 
um, a lot of the supplements and I was doing well as an affiliate promoting them. And a lot of them, the copy was not good at all. And the offer was not good. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why don't I just make one of these? I, I, I could beat this. And uh, I partnered with a guy uh, named Brandon and me and him kind of launched a, a testosterone offer. And we took that from like zero to a million in the first year. Um, after about a year, uh, Brandon ended up getting bought out by my future partner, who is Alan Baylor, who's a huge player in the survival yep. space now. Um, and also obviously the health space. Uh, but Alan really changed kind of my views on everything in terms of I knew how to market and I knew how to make sales. I was really damn good at copying that type of stuff. But Alan knew how to build a company and build infrastructure mm. and all that stuff. That, that was always what I ran into with previous stuff where I could scale from zero to a million sales really quickly, or I could scale to 2 million, but I didn't have a damn clue how to go anywhere past that because not only did I not know how to hire a team, I, I had no interest in doing it at all. So um, I kept just getting stuck at that mark. Um, mm. And it was kind of, like I said, I, I never worked in a real company. I never saw like how that happens. I, I honestly had no idea what the hell to do. Um, so yeah, that was one of the things Alan brought to the table where I was really good at the marketing and really good at the copy and coming up with offers. Alan was actually also really great at traffic. And then he was really good at building out infrastructure and he knew how to scale because he had already done it multiple times with a couple offers in the survival space. So that was a really good fit. And we, we went from that 1 million to 23 million in about two and a half years, um, which was, we probably could have even gone higher, but we, we ran into so many like inventory issues because we just like had that huge hockey stick growth that um, <laughs> even he kind of wasn't prepared for. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it was a it was a huge success, um, and it was it was at a good time too. Before now, there's a lot more people in the supplement space. Uh, yeah. a lot different now. I always think of like how because uh, like I kind of grew up more like in the infomercial space. So like 20 years ago, I was doing a lot of like direct response, but different channel, right? And just I always love direct response specifically because it's so focused on testing and results, right? From a marketing perspective, and I mean you can test everything. Right. And it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, what people are doing, but you, you begin to, you know, you see things, right. Like, like you're saying, you're like, I see these banners and I don't know what they're doing. Maybe I'll throw some of these on my website and you know, Oh wait, they're making money from this. Right. But it's, it's not like a silver bullet. It's like all these little incremental pieces, right. That, that you begin to kind of incorporate into what you're doing. And one of them, you know, one of them is not going to be a silver bullet, but you put it all together and you've got a pretty nice little arsenal now of how your business makes money. Um, and then that structure allows you to guess, scale, right? Begin to grow into scale. Um, what, when you look back on your, your partnership with Alan, what, what, where did you guys connect? How did you find that? Right. Like, why did you decide that you needed somebody? What led you into that connection from that perspective? Uh, it's actually a funny story. Alan emailed me out of nowhere asking if I forget the exact wording. It was kind of like he either wanted to he either wanted to buy my company and me come work for him, or he wanted me to come like work for him. <laughs> I remember like, I was, I was just a really like angry kind of lone wolf guy at the time. And I'm, my, I'm just like, but I love that, that there's kind of a need, right? And I think that's probably one of the things that drove you into internet marketing is kind of like, you're at a place where there's need and you got to figure out how to make things happen. I'm not going to work. The hell are you, right? <laughs> um, and then I remember like four or five days later, I emailed him back. I'm like, well, how about instead of me coming to work for you, why don't we just be partners on this? I'll focus on the copy and crank out the products and do all the marketing. Uh, and you can kind of help me pick up all the other areas that I don't understand. Um, and he was like, oh, that sounds good. So we, we started chatting. Um, and like I said, it was really a good symbiotic relationship because all my weaknesses were his strengths and vice versa. Um, that's one thing you see a lot of people with partnerships. It's like, they don't think about that enough. Like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I, I really like this guy and I'm going to partner with him. But it's like, well, if you're really good at traffic and he's really good at traffic, like that's not really a great partnership. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's like one of the things with copy accelerator, Stefan and I, um, I picked out Stefan specifically. I kind of came up with the idea of copy accelerator and I, I, I had a bunch of copywriters who I wanted to work with. And after talking to a couple of them, I was like, Stefan, I was like, I want someone who's even better than me at copy. And I'm, I'm pretty mm -hmm. damn good at copy, but I'm like, I want someone who's even better than I am at it. Um, and someone who actually 
is, is also entrepreneurial. That was a huge thing for me. I was like, I don't want someone who's just a copywriter. Uh, right. I want someone who really understands kind of the business side of this and is going to be able to help me kind of grow this. And, uh, yeah, so that partnership has, has worked really well too, just cause we have such a good, uh, symbiosis. Is that the word dynamic <laughs> together? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Cause he's got a lot of strengths uh, that benefit or complement what you're doing. Um, so do you think I'm just going to jump back down and we'll jump it forward to, to Stefan again in a second, but, um, uh, do you think you just kind of got lucky with Alan as far as that it just happened to be, or was that something that you were more intentional about or you just, it just happened to be the case? We had, so we had known each other for probably three years leading up to that. Okay. Uh, simply from, he promoted a couple of our products on ClickBank. They did well and he was kind of a big affiliate for us. Got it. And we hung out at a couple different conferences together. Um, and we kind of, he actually, for a while, he was running a little business where he would print everybody who was doing big ClickBank stuff that was digital. He did all the like physical uh, products for it and fulfillment and all that. Um, so he did that for a while for a bunch of my products. So we, we had already had a previous relationship. It wasn't a just kind of like cold email out of, out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it went really well though for for the three years we were together, and then I wound up um, selling my stake in the company to him in 2017, uh, and then took about a year off to kind of just decompress and stop working 24 seven. (laughs) Which I was a pretty big workaholic at that point, so I really needed it. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of how the how the whole thing went and how it ended. It's funny because I know a lot of people kind of have this uh, image of what success looks like, right? As they're kind of leading through life or walking through life. Um, And especially like if you're like entrepreneur from a young age, right? Like you would think that the sale of a company is like, I made it, you know, on some level, right? Um, And I think I've heard you talk a little bit about about that before on maybe some of the other podcasts are out there and and that's great. Um, But I think there's also there's also a number of voices that kind of go on, right? Like my, um, that go on in everybody's head right? Like different, different voices that you begin to believe in and then you start to take action towards that. And so even if, you know, at a young age, you're, you're talking about being entrepreneurial and like looking for things, that's something that resonated with you. And then you continue to take action steps into implementing that and you see it become manifest itself in real life. Right. And so it's like this almost, the. Uh, you know, like this, uh, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit, not necessarily specifically that you spoke it out, but it's just like, it's this belief that you then put action to and it, and it's made real, it's made life. And I, I think that's, I think it's fascinating that we as humans can do that. We set this vision in this direction and it begins to manifest itself, you know, in the interactions that we have. So one of the things that I was curious about, cause when you, you talk about writing copy, what, what kind of led you down that path to writing copy? How do you, how did you kind of, how did you find out that you were good in copywriting specifically? What things did do you develop? I know Stefan's got his own model, so he's got his own process, but I mean, you, you had to figure this out on your own, right? You didn't necessarily have somebody saying this is the way to do it. Yeah. So I, I got into writing copy, like I said, probably around 2008 or nine, somewhere in there when I kind of moved over to the info product business. And I really was just learning from uh, Dan Kennedy books, Gary Halbert books, stuff like that okay. at the time. Uh, one of my business partners at the time, he ran a, had a gym and he was kind of into direct response. So he had this old like Dan Kennedy DVD that he gave me that I watched. I remember that being very, very eye opening to me because I was just like, oh shit, this, now it's starting to click. Um, cause I, I didn't get the whole thing. And I remember watching that and he explained all the concepts of copy and it, it started to click for me. Um, yeah. And, th- and then I started really one of the biggest things for me was once I kind of understood some of the principles was just, all right, find the five or six offers that are out there that are working and just break them all down. And what do they all have in common? Okay. Mm. Do three of them open up with an emotional story. Okay. Uh, there's probably a good reason they're doing that. Uh, do they, are they, what niche are they in? Are they weight loss? Are they diabetes? Are they whatever? Um, that was a big thing I did very early on where I was diligently studying what was actually working. Uh, and I really didn't have that good of an idea compared to what I would have now. I was honestly just 
going through like the ClickBank page and finding like five or six offers on there. And I would just print them out and study the shit out of them. Um, but I mean, that's, there's no better teacher really though than, than what's working. Uh, because right. I can tell you what to do and you could tell me what to do, but the data obviously rules. Results. Yeah. So if something's working, there's a reason it's working. Um, so yeah, I was a huge fan of studying that. Um, I got pretty, pretty solid on my own as a copywriter. And then sometime around 2015 or so, I kind of got the itch to take, take it up to another level. And I was like, I started emailing a bunch of friends of mine. I was like, I want to hire a copy coach, someone who's really mm -hmm. damn good, a legit A-lister who is going to help me get to the next level. And I emailed a couple of friends and I was asking them, do you know anybody who does this? And um, one person re uh, replied back and was like, uh, David Deutsch does one-on-one -on -one copy training. I, I think he might be a good fit. So I had never met David up until this point. And then uh, David and I connected and I instantly, instantly was into him. I, I loved the way he kind of coached and the way he, he was teaching me stuff. And I was like, all right. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll teach you for a year. We'll do two calls a month. I'll break down the copy you're working on uh, and make you a better copywriter. And I, I think his original quote was like $25,000 for the year. And I remember at the time being like, holy shit, that's, that's a lot of money. Commitment, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what's funny too is I was actually trying to figure out a way to get our, our business, our supplement business to pay for it. Uh, and then I was like, eh, I might not take it as seriously if, if that's going mm -hmm. on. So I finally was like, I'm just going to bite the bullet and pay for this. And Cause it costs you something to do it, to commit to it. Right. Yep. So it was, it was much more of a commitment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I did it. And what's interesting is my, my income in those three years went from, I was stuck at this like $225,000 a year mark for like three or four years that I just couldn't break. Mm -hmm. I went from 225 to about 750 to like 2.2 million the next year. And a lot of that came from the work that David and I did together because my copy just jumped by leaps and bounds. It's just the shit I was writing at the beginning versus what I was writing a year and a half later is, is like night and day. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he, it, it, it's one of those things too, that that was an eye opener to me in terms of, yeah, $25,000 is a lot of money, but the ROI on that $25,000 is yeah, worth it all day long, man. Yeah. <laughs> all day long. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Um, I look at my own life and kind of just think about the different people who've invested in my, you know, I've, you know, I've had more formal and less formal mentors. Right. But, but I've always been a big fan and advocate of having people who are ahead of you in different areas. Right. It doesn't matter if it's like personal or relationships or business or, you know, just they've, they've got an edge. They've got some experience that is beyond where you are in certain areas and to be able to leverage that and to learn from either the advice or the mistakes or, you know, the input or the feedback, you know, just who they are as a person and then being able to incorporate that into, to use is like upgrading yourself way, way faster than trying to just, you know, yeah. fight through something and figure it out, you know, by, you know, trial and error. I mean, you can do it. A lot of people do. Yeah. So, I big fan of mentors. About that. so about three, I think it was about three years ago at this point, uh, Two of my buddies who knew nothing about internet marketing, uh, I decided to mentor them. Really had a challenge to myself. I was like, I want to see mm -hmm. if I can take two guys who know not a damn thing about <laughs> our whole world and see if I could get them making money uh, within within a year. And I, so I kind of racked my brain. I was like, what's the easiest thing I could teach them where they could start making money pretty quick? And I, I went through a bunch of ideas. And the first thing that really settled on, I was like, email copy. I get hit, I get hit up all the time is <laughs> that need email copy. And I'm always referring to all these other writers. And I was like, well, why don't I just have like two writers that I actually trained and I'll just refer these guys out. So I remember teaching them this and both of them within, it took them about three to four months to really grasp the email copy. And I had them under like a pretty strict program. Like they had to write like three emails a day. Um, and I was giving them feedback on them and they got better every single day. Mm -hmm. And within about, it was about four months, uh, I told both of them, I was like, you guys are actually ready to take on clients. And both of them within 12 months, uh, were at a point where they were going to make a hundred thousand dollars that year. Um, and I compare that to what I did when I started, which was about four years of fumbling around and just trying everything possible right. to make before I, I, it took me probably a good four years before I hit my first six figure year. 
and I wasn't even consistent. Once I hit six, I like went back down to 40 and had like another bad year after that. Um, but yeah, just the power of them kind of coming in and being like, okay. And I'm just like, here's the plan, follow this. And it's going to work. Like if you just do the work, it's going to work. I mean, it's obviously not fun writing three emails a day, <laughs> but, um, especially not getting paid for it. Um, but that was, that was a big thing. Like I look at just the difference. It's like to have someone who knows exactly what you need to do. So you don't have to make all the missteps instead mm-hmm. of going like this to get there. It's more like just that straight line to get there. Um, right. I mean, like you said, that, that's really the power of someone who's already been there and has already done it. Just giving you all the advice to steer you down the right path. Yeah. And it's so, um, it's interesting because it's an investment in your part, right? To, to spend some time with those guys and they're your buddies, right? So you're willing to like, Hey, let me help these guys out. But also there's the flip side of that, which is their commitment, right? Every day they're writing those emails for you. They're showing you the commitment that you're not wasting your time, right? Saying, Hey, why don't you guys do this? And they're taking you up on that and they're putting action to that. I think that that's kind of one of the other things that when I look at like mentoring in general, you know, there's, there's a time investment. Are are these people going to just waste my time? Are they going to actually take, what I'm saying seriously and are they going to follow through? Right. What's that commitment? And, you know, I think as you become more experienced in any business, your eyes are open to so many opportunities that are out there. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunities. And so where do you spend your time and your attention, right. And your energy and your money and everything that you have available to you, the resources to make the most of the opportunities that are available. You can't take on all the opportunities that are there. And so as you have that experience, it's like, Hey, there's some opportunities and I, maybe I don't have time to take these ones, but they're good opportunities. Who's hungry, right? Who's willing to, to show that they're, that they're able to take it on, that they're hungry to try to figure this out. And by them doing that, they develop the skills and become the type of person then that's able to handle uh, what it takes to be successful. Right. That, that's basically what you did with, the, with your friends there. Right. Yep. I'd so, like to chime in here. Cause I have a yeah. question. Um, so Justin, everything you're, you're, you're known for is getting cold traffic, which is everybody wants to know that. How do I get cold traffic? But is, where does your passion live? Knowing what I know mm-hmm. about Copy Accelerator and having hired um, copywriters who work with you, having seen your comments on their copy, which I enjoy very much, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, I love being part of those Google Docs. <laughs> but having seen that, would you say your passion lives in mentoring people at this point in this phase of your Mm -hmm. life, or is it still in the actual copy itself? Is it in the development of the next wave of copywriters or are you, where are you there as far as what gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I am a marketing nerd at heart. Like I love marketing. I love psychology. I love why we buy stuff. Um, so that stuff, I, I just, even if I wasn't making money doing it, I would probably still be like reading books about it and tinkering with it in some way. Uh, the thing I get the most, um, satisfaction out of by far is taking that person who maybe just got into copywriting or is maybe working a nine to five job and completely changing their life. Um, so like Tanner, one of the guys I, I mentored, um, Tanner was folding clothes at Abercrombie and Fitch, like when I met him, like, and he had no idea of what he wanted to do, but he, he was like, I, I want to do something more than what I'm doing, but he's like, I really don't know what the hell I can do. And to see where he's at now, um, I think he's probably gonna make over 200 grand this year writing copy. Like to me, that kind of satisfaction for me is, to see that transformation is pretty amazing. Hey. Um, yeah, so, so to me, I, I probably get the most, out, especially younger, younger guys and younger women who really don't have that mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely get the most kind of just fulfillment personally out of that. Uh, I think a lot of it goes back to because I, I never really had that myself. And I look at that and I'm like, damn, this is the guy I wish would have kind of took some interest in me when I, when I was younger. Um, I'm gonna take a, a little bit of a tangent, but it's kind of along the same line. Um, my wife and I do like mentoring for like premarital couples before they get married. Right. So there's like this training program that we take them through. And one of the things that's 
I think interesting about it. It's based on this uh, therapy model called restoration therapy. And I can't help, but every time I, I look through that material, I just think, man, this has got to have some pretty big applications from a sales and copy marketing perspective, because one of the things that it really dives into a lot is, is these basically like these pain cycles that people go through emotionally. Right. And so when you're talking about copy, like you're addressing intentionally the pain points that people have often, right. Either, either things that are motivating them forward in a positive way or, you know, a direction or things that, that they're trying to get away from. Right. So, um, so they, you know, they talk about these four different type of coping styles that people have, like this blame, shame, control, or escape. And, um, and I just, I can't help but think like, those are some of the core things that you have to be writing to. Like you're, if, if it's structured in that framework, you know, people are, people are trying to find some sort of control, right. To make their life better. Right. Um, to get away from the pain that they're experiencing and whatever it is, emotional pain of not feeling enough, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, you know, whatever that, that phrasing is, or um, feeling like they're being controlled or manipulated, you know? So there's all these like pain points that it's like, man, this is like, I just, I could just imagine like taking this and applying it to a framework for copywriting um, just because it, it dives into those pain points and it helps people get in touch with that, that pain that, that they're experiencing. And a lot of times, like they're deep rooted pains, man, you know, they're go back to, you know, stuff your parents told you, you know, <laughs> or a teacher or somebody important, whatever. And it's like to the core of who you are. Um, but, but then there's also like this, uh, these responses that you don't even think about, right? Like you automatically begin to respond. And so, I mean, on some, <laughs> on some level, knowing what those triggers are and knowing how people respond in a different way, I think can tie into marketing and, and how you can understand what their pain is, what, what their concerns are, what their fears are, what are driving them. And then, you know, those automatic response mechanisms. I don't know. I just, yeah, I can no, see I, it. I, I agree with you. I mean, I've always said like most really good copywriters, uh, you have to be kind of like a part-time therapist in a sense. Uh, and a lot of copywriters actually would probably make pretty good therapists because they understand people better than <laughs> than your average person for sure. Um, My yeah, experience I mean, is most you, copywriters you. need therapists. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the one thing I have learned is the more successful you are, usually the more your kind of upbringing childhood was uh it's not normal to want to build like a 50 million dollar company and try to there's reasons that's going on but i'll I'll give you kind of an example in terms of kind of dialing into the those emotions and stuff so like when i write copy for the survival niche sometimes the survival niche is very predicated upon mistrust like the lens through which those people view the world is all mistrust and kind of what you said like that goes back to childhood stuff it's not like mm-hmm. not like they turned 54 and all of a sudden started mistrusting the world but that mistrust kind of lens is, is is everything like it's not just the government it's not just big drug companies it's like yep. everything they think the electric company's screwing them over they think uh the waiter at the restaurant like did something to their check like everything is through this the food yeah <laughs> Give coronavirus. Through this angle of, like mistrust and i mean trying to figure out those kind of lenses through which those people see the world rmbc is amazingly powerful in terms of writing copy like like what one of the things with like survival niche is they, they live in a, a world of just feeling vulnerable like they, they would never admit yeah. it because uh, most of them are 60 year old kind of honking country boys but that's kind of the the feeling that goes on inside them all the time is this this vulnerability for me this vulnerability for my family a yeah. ton of stuff around worth in terms of not being yep. able to provide for my family, uh, not being, especially the, the men who grew up in that era who have a firm belief that the man provides and protects his house. Right. Uh, and if he's not living up to that or in his mind, he doesn't think he's living up to that. I mean, those are, those are deep rooted shame pain points that a good copywriter can really dig into. And it's, it's kind of hard not to make a sale if you know how to do that. Right. I think, and I think there's some tremendous value in kind of learning about just like self-awareness, right. About learning how you respond in different circumstances and things that kind of get stirred up and things that drive 
you know, individually to drive you. Because I think as you understand that deeper, it allows you to communicate and relay that to other people and then to, to work, you know, in a, in a functional way there. Um, in this yeah, therapy I, model. I, I have a good story about that that I'll share. So mm -hmm. um, probably in, I don't know, it was 2017, 2017 or 18, uh, my buddy Ian Stanley kept bugging me yeah. about this therapist named Brent that he went and saw and Brent like changed his life. This is he the whole Lionheart thing, right? What? Lionheart, right? Yeah. So he told me for like eight months about Brent and I was just like, whatever, like I've been to Tony Robbins, David Destiny, I've been to like all these things. So I kind of like shrugged it off and eventually I finally went and I did, I did a one-on-one -on -one session with Brent in LA and I did four whole days with him and I walked out of there just mind blown about what he exposed to me about kind of my upbringing and stuff that mm -hmm. I'm like, he doesn't even know my parents. He just knew everything about them. He knew everything about, like, he knew everything about me within, like, 10 minutes. It was freaky and scary. Uh, but incredibly eye-opening, and I, I got a lot of uh, uncleared crap out of the way talking to him. But one of the big things he actually said to me was, he's like, I'm shocked that you're as good of a copywriter that, as you are because you have no idea what an emotion even is. Like I was so just closed. You up. and Travis are soulmates. <laughs> Travis, Travis doesn't know what an emotion is either. Tell him all the time. He's a him. sociopath. Yeah, I've read about him before. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's that's really how I was. Like, like I grew up in a family where we didn't express uh, really emotion, so I, I learned to just stuff it all inside. Yeah. And as a copywriter, that's actually debilitating because copy is all about emotion. Mm. And you see some of the best copywriters like Chris Adad always comes to mind. Chris speaks in super emotional language and he's very in touch with like different feelings. Uh, a lot of the women copywriters have a huge edge at this because women are just generally more in touch with their emotions than men are. Um, so like a lot of the copy I was writing up until that point was literally just, I was, implying what I thought these emotions felt like. Cause I didn't have a clue what the hell they actually felt like. Um, and I actually read some of my copy from that time and I see how emotionally flat it is now. Mm. Uh, it just stands out. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, uh, yeah. Compared to kind of the stuff I write now where I, I actually have a lot more, um, understanding of my own emotions. Uh, it's a huge thing for copywriters. I mean, I've come across a couple of copywriters when I've talked about that. It's a big light bulb moment for them. They're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, and my copy's never been emotional. And he's like, now I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's something really powerful about coming into understanding of your own that, that makes it come alive as, as you're communicating with other people, I feel like. So I'd love to just kind of go back backwards if we could. Um, I definitely want to touch more on copy accelerator. I don't think we have enough because uh, anyone who doesn't, yeah, anybody who d doesn't, we, we don't have, um, we have a probably larger audience audience that doesn't know about copywriter accelerator. Um, so I do want you to talk about that, but I want to go backwards first. Um, you're a marketing nerd. I'm an ops nerd. There is something. <laughs> so I, it's, it's ridiculous. Travis will, so I'll get bored and Travis will give me these conundrums. Uh, like how do we get the, how do we get Congress to pay for, uh, testing to get, uh, iron supplement marked as a drug, like the most ridiculous wormholes ever. And I just live for that. You figured out. Um, <laughs> I've, got, I've got about 80% figured out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but it, I would love to talk about, cause I'm a big, are you familiar with EOS? Uh, I've heard of it. I'm not familiar with the system. So there's a system EOS, it's entrepreneurial, uh, operating system. And it's very, they talk, the main point is like the rocket fuel book, right? So yep. you've got visionaries and integrators. And when you can match a visionary with an integrator, it's, it's fire. And Travis and I pretty much started, um, shockwave to provide an integrator to visionaries that had a business, but didn't necessarily want to have a partner or didn't want to hire one person full time, so on and so forth. But I'd love to talk about that uh, a little bit with you because I know you're very much a visionary based on everything I've heard and read about you and what I know of you. Um, and so I'd love to hear from you, at what moment did you kind of realize like ops isn't my jam, gotta get somebody in 
And how do you, do, and you've done this multiple times. So we're, we've talked about Alan and we've talked about Stephanie, who's definitely also a visionary, um, not an integrator, but we've talked about your different business partners, but throughout your journey, mm-hmm. where have you said, I, I need an integrator? Have you ever even identified that? And when you've done that, what would you have done differently? Did I say that well, Travis? Good enough. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to hear your journey because you've, you, you haven't done this once. You haven't done this twice. You've done this over and over and over again. So at what stage do you go? I need, I need my integrator, my ops partner. And what would you have done differently about that? Um, if you could go back and change things. So if I did it again, I would, I would hire the ops person earlier. Um, it's one of the things I'm actually trying to do right now with my current, cause I, I have, some products coming out later this year and then another uh, website, a service-based membership site that I'm going to come out with as well. And uh, I have like a part-time ops person now helping me with it. Uh, But a full-time ops person is kind of like the next step. Uh, I'm at least aware of that now. Whereas like 2010 when I was running the business, I didn't, I didn't know I needed that person until it was like shit hitting the fan. And Getting um, blown up. <laughs> yeah. Fires. Yeah. Someone should be watching fulfillment and know whether or not we actually have product. Go figure. Keep selling. Shut up. You can keep selling. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much exactly no what I did. No caps. No caps. Just run it. Just run it. <laughs> read yeah. an IO? Why should we read the IO? <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I mean I mean really with like I said, with with Patriot Health Alliance with Alan, um, it was almost like two separate worlds. Like I was like, they were running everything from Nashville uh, where they had the whole team and everything. And I was still in Ohio at the time. And I was kind of operating like a lone wolf where I would write the copy. I would come up with products. Uh, I'd be writing the daily emails and doing stuff like that. But I really didn't have to be involved at all in any of the other stuff. So like if they were hiring people or if there was, I don't know, inventory issues. Like I I didn't get involved in any of it uh, because that was really their priority and what they were good at. Um, So yeah, I'm honestly, it's still stuff I'm learning because like I said, I'm I'm trying to do some of the stuff with my own business with products and membership sites where I just noticed in the last three or four weeks, uh, I was doing a bunch of stuff in terms of, I don't know, like getting the bags for this box that's going to be shipped out and getting the logo on it and trying to figure out it looks right and all that. And I'm kind of a control freak in some of the sense. So I want some control over that, but then I'm like, like, I don't need, I should not be doing this. I, I need someone uh, on my team. So I, I brought in a kind of a town part-time ops person to, to help with that, which has been a, a big help already. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if you want to ask operations questions and stuff, I, I am not the person. To that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to know what not to do. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, pretty much everyone that we work with that's very visionary, they want control, but they want they don't want to give direction. They want here. Does this work? Yes or no. <laughs> yep. um, so they want that final approval but they don't want to be part of the process, which I think for a lot of, for non-integrator ops people, I'll talk about that for a second. It's very frustrating because I'm doing all of this work. You could have just told me you didn't want red at the very beginning. If you would have told me you didn't want red from the beginning, I wouldn't have put six hours into it. Um, I love the puzzle. And I think a lot of integrators love the puzzle, being able to get enough out of the visionary that you can give them what they're saying this, have you read Rocket Fuel? Um, I read the like Cliff's Notes synopsis of it. So there's a part in Rocket Fuel where they talk about when a visionary speaks to a non-integrator, what they're saying is like twinkle, 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 little star clapped out. If you've ever, cl- do you remember this part? If you clap out, twinkle, twinkle, little star, it sounds nothing. It sounds like nothing. There's no notes. It sounds like nothing. It's the most recognized song in the world, but if you clap it out, it, you just, you would never know that it's twinkle, twinkle, little star. A visionary just saw a symphony when he spoke those words. And that's what everybody else heard was twinkle, twinkle, little star clapped out. Like, I got the 16th chapel that I just painted for you. Why don't you understand what I just said? I told you a hundred times exactly what I want. Sound familiar at all, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
an integrator knows how to ask the right questions without frustrating the visionary and getting the full picture so that way they can go, yeah, he's not going to want red. He's going to want green. He's not going to want that font. That's way too bold. This is supposed to be undertones. He wants these kind of fonts. And I've, I, I don't know what it is about that, that just that whole relationship that intrigues me so much. Um, but yeah, anyway, just to kind of go off on a tangent there. But I think that when you're speaking visionary ops isn't enough, I think it's integrator ops. So someone who can do the operations, who can plug in, who can hear your vision, see your painting, and then provide it for you in a way that, um, that's all the tools that you need to implement that to, yeah, to actually fulfill yeah. that vision and take all the credit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this beautiful funnel that I built. That's doing a million dollars a month. But the person that you work with has to be very comfortable in that and being in, you know, the background and going, yeah, that, that is your art. That VSL is your art. That is the driving force of all of this. It's a small part, but it's a big part. Right. So anyway, that's my, uh, my two cents on that. Um, but I do, I do love that. Uh, you said I would do it sooner because it is so important because you're working. I can't tell you how many times we come in as, um, as shockwave, we come in and work backwards and it ends up costing so much more money than if they just sort of brought us in six yeah. days ahead of time. Yeah. So many times. So I yeah. love that. Um, I do want to move on to copy accelerator cause I definitely, I love Copy Accelerator, um, and it's funny because when I first heard about it, I, I adore Stefan, by the way. I've known Stefan for a couple years now. Super cool guy. Love uh, his, his integrator, Malai. I just adore her to pieces. She's a fantastic girl. Um, when I heard about it, yeah, cool, whatever, you know. But <laughs> we, we, you know, it's copy. It's not what we do, so that sounds great. Copywriters can go learn how to do copy. What I, what I didn't realize is what it brings to the table for digital marketing as a whole. Right. E-commerce as a whole, because now here, uh, Travis and I are, neither of us copywriters, um, plugging in systems, creating funnels for people and having to hire copywriters, which is something that, you know, I've done for a long time. Talk to Stefan and what was that November, Travis? Like talk to Stefan in like November right. and said, hey, I need to hire some copywriters. I've been batting like, you know, one and two are, are good and follow up and do what you need them to do. What do you recommend I do about this? Can I get some advice from you? And Stefan goes, I got a form. You fill out a form and tell me what you're trying to hire for. I'll put it on Copy Accelerator's private Facebook group. You get our guys to apply. Come to me with who you're looking at hiring. I'll look at the project and I'll, I'll help you make a decision. Game changer. <laughs> game change like seriously game yeah. change. so since november we've hired 12 copywriters um and we've had a phenomenal experience um phenomenal awesome. experience yeah it's been absolutely fantastic and this is how i get to see your copy notes because they get and this is beautiful they get feedback from you and stefan on the copy that we're hiring them for to write for our clients so we're getting copy that's not only written by grade A copywriters because they are grade A copywriters that are in your program, but they're also getting that feedback from you and Stefan on their projects that we're hiring for. So it's, it's oh. fantastic, but I'll stop plugging you and let you, <laughs> we, on one of our, I'll send this to you later, but on one of our podcasts, I actually brought up copy accelerator so many times I said, and Stefan, I like orchids. Make sure you send me flowers. <laughs> 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 we appreciate the press. Um, yeah, I mean, one, one of the things we, we do, the, the name Copy Accelerator, kind of what you said, uh, it, it kind of probably throws some people because they think it's all just about copywriting. And the reality is what we really do is help people create and scale offers on cold traffic. Uh, so about, I would say about 70% of the group is business owners. Uh, so people who are running serious health, survival, financial, dating, golf, all those kinds of offers. Uh, about 30% is freelance copywriters. Uh, and then a couple of the couple of the business owners have like their own copywriters in the group as well, where they pay for them to get trained by Stefan and I. Um, but yeah, really what we help them with is let's, because we all know getting an offer to convert and scale on cold traffic is like the holy grail. That's what brings all the customers, that what drives all the revenue. Uh, so we really give feedback on that, uh, 
helping them create offers, helping them to dial in the copy, helping them to dial in the funnels, which is probably the more important part, like really dialing in the upsells, um, the backend autoresponders, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it, it's been pretty amazing in, in terms of the, the response and kind of the group. I mean, we have, I don't want to name specific businesses, but we have, I think our, our, our group combined did over a billion dollars in revenue last year. Um, so that's pretty, pretty loaded with some heavy hitters. So pretty proud of it. Nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Can you tell us about like, what is exactly copy accelerator? How does it work? And what, so I know that you have like a actual membership where it's an insiders only. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that it's like a a private club that everybody wants in on. I know about that, but you guys also do some masterminds and you know, you have a bunch of groups. Like, can you just kind of walk us through exactly what it is and what different services you guys offer? Yeah. So we basically took the mastermind model and combined it with mentorship. So there's two live events a year. Uh, whereas like in a mastermind, the live events are the main thing. And that's really like what you're getting. Uh, the live events for us are kind of just a component of it because every single week, um, the people in the group are allowed to get feedback from us in the group. Uh, so they're allowed to post copy, post upsells. If they got an idea for a new product, like they run it by us, whatever they really want help with, uh, we help with that. Uh, and then also all, all the other people in the group chime in as well. So, which like, I mean, you got people like Jay Debolt who runs a, a company called Credit Secrets, which is just crushing on infomercials and online yep. right now. Like Jay will chime in and comment on people's upsells. Nick Daniel from Vshred, which is on, on pace to do like 120 million or something this year. Uh, Nick will chime in and, and give advice on stuff. I mean, it's, it's a killer group of people. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the second aspect of it is the mentorship. So we help people in the group. And then we also do a weekly call every single week where uh, Stefan and I teach uh, copy concepts, upsells, ads. Those are kind of really the main things we focus on is the ads, the sales pages, and the upsells. Like those, those are the kind of the triangle that makes up the, the, the topics that we, we teach. And then once in a while, about once a month, we have a guest expert come on. Um, so we just had one that we did on YouTube ads, uh, with a guest expert. So it's really, like I said, all revolved around ads, copy upsells, and really dialing in your offer to get it to scale on cold traffic. Uh, whether that's for the business owner or whether that's for a freelancer who's doing that for clients. When you look back on your journey now, when somebody comes to you from a mentoring perspective, whether it's copy or just somebody who's getting into the internet marketing space, or, you know, how do you really expedite that journey and that learning curve? And what advice would you give somebody? Maybe they're out of college or maybe they're just starting, like, but they really want to take a run. Where would you point them? So I think a lot of it depends on the current amount of knowledge and what they've actually done so far. So like I have a buddy of mine who has messed around a little bit on like Facebook ads. Um, it's never really like, I mean, for like a local business, like try to do it for a yoga studio type thing. Uh, yeah. Never really had a whole lot of success with it. Uh, but he really wants to get into media buying or something with online marketing and make money online. And for him, he's like, I think he's 24 now. He actually just graduated college. I told him, I was like, the best thing you could do is go work for a guy who's a really good media buyer for a year or two, mm-hmm. learn everything from him. And you'll have the skills to go kind of go do whatever the hell you want after that. Um, that's, that's very similar to what um, Tanner and Alec, the two guys who I taught email copy to, I was basically, once you learn how to write email copy, I was like, you could keep writing email copy if you want. You could set up some type of agency. You could uh, go out and create your own offers. I mean, once you have kind of the skill, uh, the options are kind of endless. And I I mean, to me, me, I think starting out, the two most valuable skills probably are media buying and copywriting. Um, The skills like Emma was talking about, like building a company and ops and stuff, are not as big, like you're in the zero to a million category, it's not as big of a deal, but like the million to 10 million, the ops person is hugely influential and, right. and needed. Um, so yeah, but, but starting out, like th- there is a, so many people who try to, st- I, people who try to start a business who don't have one of those skills, I always dissuade them. I'm mm-hmm. like, if you don't know how to get customers, you really don't have any business starting your own business. Uh, because all the, all the people I know who have done this really, really well 
all had some, they, they were doing offers as an affiliate and buying traffic and then decided to make their own. They were writing copy for clients and then finally said, I want to create my own product. Those are the ones who've all been the most successful. It's, it's not someone who just decides to start a business and has no idea how to <laughs> drive traffic or how to write copy. Right. They've gotten their hands dirty. They've jumped into something. They've been playing around with it and figuring things out through brute force, essentially on some level. And now they've kind of developed some sort of skill. They can, they can fish or they can hunt a little bit. Right. Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, even, even guys I know who do like super black hat stuff, it's like, if, if you're really good at black hat Facebook ads, um, you're really damn good at, you can transition to white hat stuff and then you can put out your own white hat offer that you could grow. Right. Like you at least have one of the skills in terms of acquiring customers. And I mean, acquiring customers is the name of the game, especially in that first year or two. Like your, your whole goal should be just acquire as many good customers as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting that you tagged on the, you know, copy and uh, media buying, right? Because it's, it's like you can have an amazing offer that converts 100% of the time. But if you can't get in front of people, <laughs> the right audience that wants to buy it, it doesn't matter, right? And then the same is true. You can have marginal copy, right? But you're getting right into the right audience, right? So, and, and you can still get some, some traction there. And then if you can coordinate those or partner with somebody who has those, again, those opposite skills, right? Then it's just the opportunity to take off is, is incredible. How, how often do you intentionally refresh or are you testing new things? And do you ever take something that you tested before and bring it back into the mix? Yeah. I mean, the big thing there is you need to be prepared before it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that was a lesson that I learned kind of the hard way where everything was kind of falling apart and offer not working. And then finally revamped it with new email creatives. But um, the, the big players who are really good, who have offers that just run for three years, four years, that type of thing are just constantly testing new leads, new ads. Um, at our one cap accelerator event, I actually had a really eye opening moment. Nick Daniel, who's the CEO of V shred. He said, um, they were talking about kind of testing new leads and ads and stuff. And he kind of, so, I mean, these guys are doing like between 5,000 and 10,000 front end sales a day. It's, crazy how much they're pulling in but um he said something about he's like we relentlessly test new leads and i'm like like how many are you talking about here and he's like usually four a month for our main offer and i was like four new leads every single month he's like yeah i was like holy shit uh because i mean i'm kind of used to maybe i don't know testing five or six a year on, on an offer um, and he's like, no, he's like with, with how much traffic we're running on Facebook. And I was like, how many ads are you testing? He's like, we usually upload around a thousand ads a day. And I was like, well, okay. that kind of was like an eye opener to me. Uh, but, but they have an offer, they have multiple offers that have been running for, I don't know, two years now that are doing right. that type of volume. And it's all because they're able to just keep it fresh and keep it running. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Richard LaRuna, I was uh, with him in Spain last year and we were talking about, scaling and refreshing offers and i was saying something stupid and he looked at me and he was like the the point isn't waiting till something starts to die out and then testing to see what can replace it it's testing what can replace it while it's at its height Mm. i just i was just like oh and he had an offer what was his uh his was 15 years right travis yeah 15 (laughs) years doing millions a month and they never changed the vsl wow yeah crush crusher crusher <laughs> crusher um but yeah I, I loved that advice and ever since he gave it to me we've implemented that with every client we work with is find the lead that does the best find the email that does the best and constantly try and beat it instead of i i always was of the philosophy of don't fix <laughs> What's break was, yeah, yeah, right. Right, right. If it's working, just leave it alone. <laughs> but no, try, try and try and figure out what's going to replace it because ultimately everything dies. I'd also love if I could, I know both you and Stefan have a daily email. I try yes. and read it every morning. A lot of times I do have to catch up on the weekends because I'm ops and that's just my life. <laughs> I don't get a ton of time, but I, I actually uh, do Travis can tell you, I do read your email and Stefan's email. Stefan's brought his up to every day now as well. So it's, it's, and it's not a crazy read. It's pretty quick and it's 
filled with great little nuggets. Um, all different topics too. You guys do seriously, a job. Yeah. seriously, it really is. And it isn't all, what I love about, <clears throat> I only subscribe to like four or five different people's emails. The two of you are the only two that are not ops related. And the <laughs> two of you are the only ones that do it every single day. But what I do love is there are these little, one of the ones Stefan wrote was about, um, so many times, Justin, we see, we'll see offers that come out. Companies will come out with an offer. It'll do really well. Mm. And it'll scale the first, you know, three months. It'll, you know, really scale and really do well. And then it'll start to dwindle and it'll continue and continue to dwindle until it's just status quo and barely doing anything. I think that there's a big disconnect between starting an offer and scaling an offer. And so what advice would you give mm -hmm. for the guy that came out with an offer, did a hundred thousand the first month, 300,000 the second month, 600,000 the third month, and then saw it just continuously drop until it was down to a hundred thousand a month. Right. What, what do you tell him to do? Um, so number, number one is being prepared for the fact that it is going to dwindle. Uh, you put out an offer and you get that, that great start and it just keeps going up and sales keep going up. Um, a lot of new offer owners think that's just going to last. Um, and the reality is things die out, ads die out, your copy dies out. Um, so it needs to be refreshed, specifically the lead. And this is one of the things Steph and I teach in Copy Accelerator is really like, the, the closer to the front of the funnel, those things are what really need change the most. So uh, I'll give you a good example. When um, our supplement Patriot Power Greens in like 2015 was really scaling, we were, we were buying tons and tons of email buys in the conservative uh, kind of news niche on all those email lists. And this thing was like just crushing, crushing, crushing. Then out of nowhere, it, it just started falling off the map. Like we'd spend 10,000 on email buy and what used to bring in 15, 17,000 was now bringing in like 7,000. And we're mm -hmm. like, shit, we're not, not hitting the metrics we want. And direct response is kind of an all or nothing game. Like if it's not converting at a certain point, like there's not really any in between. Um, it was weird because this is the first time I'd ever really scaled an offer that to that size. And I kind of thought, I was like, oh, well, maybe that's the life of the offer. Maybe it's dead. And so then around, sometime around Christmas that year, I wrote, I think I wrote six new email creatives for it. I was like, well, let, let's just try writing a new email creative and see if that kind of gets it back going. So we tested these six new email creatives. I think we spent like 20 grand kind of split testing them. And two of them turned out to be like home runs. Like they did freaking awesome. And we got probably another six to seven months out of those two creatives. And that was a big kind of light bulb moment for me mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, the offer's not dead. It's just the email creative. They just seen it so many damn times. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't the, there wasn't anything wrong with the offer. We didn't have to change even anything with the lead or the sales page or anything. It was just, they'd seen that email creative so many times and it, it died. Uh, and that, that was kind of an eye opening. And then the same thing happens everywhere. So if you're running Facebook ads, the ad at some point is going to die and you're going to think maybe something's wrong with the offer, but if you can put out two or three new ads that do just as well, um, that it's going to keep going and it's going to start kicking butt again. So it's really tweaking those things at the front of the funnel. So the ad, the email, whatever, whatever that is that gets them to the sales page. And then usually the, that, that first part of the lead, which is on a VSL, maybe the first minute or two minutes, uh, on a long form sales page, it'd be maybe the first two or three pages. Those are really the things where, you'll get a huge bump. I mean, some of the stuff we've seen in our copy accelerator group where guys or copywriters will come in with a new lead and get a 60, 70% bump. And it's like, <laughs> that's wow. just sitting on, just sitting on money. You didn't even know it was there. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. I love that. Tiger King. I was done. Like, I, I, by the way, I watched the Tiger King because of Stefan. I was like that person that was not going to watch the Tiger King. And he just went on and on about it. Finally, I was like, I just gotta see one episode. I couldn't stop watching. Seven hours later, I was done with the whole thing. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, but anyway, so there's these little nuggets of great, but I think it does bring tons of value because I'll, I'll see things that, not even that you and Stefan wrote, but 
the many, many people that follow you guys wrote. Some issue that yeah. they're having that I didn't even realize was going to be an issue that because I read that, oh, okay, wait, that's going to be a problem for us in 30 days. And there's nine people that have already been through it that have, you know, commented with the resolve. So I'd love to put a bunch of links to you guys. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Advice. There's these nuggets of inspiration. Yeah. And then there's these, let me just laugh for five minutes in the morning to start my day because that was hysterical. And so it, it is really great. I would love to do, I know you guys have an application process. Both of you do. I know, I, I don't know about you. I know Stefan denies people all the time. Like if they only put their first name oh. <laughs> or yeah, they don't pretty, answer this question. If, if you, people you don't put any effort into it, I'd I, I deny. Yeah. Yeah. I love Stefan's response. I tell them to try again. <laughs> Everyone deserves a second chance, but I'd love to put that on um, the applications to each on the post and then link them to copy accelerator. I think that the Facebook page is super valuable, as yeah. well. um, super valuable, even for non-copywriters, for people like me, whose operations, I'm still making decisions. Um, a lot of my decisions come from um, customer service, right? And the way that I choose to run uh, things on marketing is I'll go to marketing and say, hey, customer service is getting a lot of calls about this. Uh, just appreciate spending time with you, Justin. It's, it's great to have a format like this to be able to just connect and gain from your experience. And so thank you so much for sharing that with us and with our audience and uh, look forward to connecting with you some more. Here. Awesome. I will say, I will say, Justin, your business partner also does like these weird little uh, Zoom call podcast things that he puts out. He's cooler than my business partner because he drinks. My business partner <laughs> will not allow me to drink on these things. We're not allowed to just have some White Claw and tequila and get loose. So I just, I wanted to throw that out there, Travis, just in case you're welcome. I to change Thanks. your mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. This is fun. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Shockwave Solutions, please visit our website, follow us on Facebook, or email emma at shockwavesolutionsllc.com.